Welcome to The Sound of Peace. This is Benjamin, another interview and episode that I believe is going to help us hear, see, and imagine God's activity in the world. My guest today is Matt Maxwell. Matt serves as the Director of Community Development for Peace Prep and the Executive Director of Oaks ATL Community Development. But beneath those titles, he's been a friend, a brother, a constant in the journey of peace. And I've had the pleasure over the last seven years to bear witness to his prophetic voice, his ability to sit with God in tension, to listen for God's direction, and then to live directed by God's Spirit. So this episode is meant to spur you on, to point you to those in your life who live from prophetic convictions and to help tune our ears to hear where God may be calling us from places of comfort or familiarity and into this radical journey with God to reshape the world both physically and spiritually. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. All right, let's start with what I call your midlife crisis. You might call it something else, but I've heard you share this story a few times um, to me and with others. So I think the scene is you're in your truck, you're driving home from work, you're thinking about life because you're a pretty contemplative person, um, and God starts stirring something in you. So yeah, share about that. What was going on there? Yeah, at, at that time in my life, I was working on one of the largest projects I had ever worked on in construction and it was about a hundred million dollar job light work 100 to 200 you know uh people on site a day and 12 acre site just a large job and uh, i liked what i did Uh, it was exciting work Um, it put food on the table for my family provided for the kingdom of god Um, but just thinking through it uh, thinking through um, life and actually the day that you're referring to was my 35th birthday and I was driving home from work on the highway and just thinking about life um, birthdays are always kind of a reflective time for me and um, just thinking you know a lot of people you know on on average who work retire around 65 so I just was thinking, like, is this what I'm? Is this what I'm going to be doing for the next thirty years of my life? And again, I liked the work that I did, but it just there was a there was a longing in me that there was something more, that there was something more to life, that there was something more um, in, in 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 my life and its contribution to to the kingdom of God. Yeah, and so uh, biographically, then you're thirty five. So you're gonna have to date yourself here, but what year was that? Because I think that's important. Do you, if you remember? Um, it was. Isn't that terrible? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's tough. It was uh, 2012. 2012. So I'll get to why this is important. So you're 2012. You're married at that point. You have three kids, uh, probably all under. 10, I would imagine at that point or somewhere around there. Um, yep. My oldest one was nine. There you go. Nine. Um, but I think what's interesting to me about that point that I want to tease out for people is 2012 is the same year that I spent Lent, uh, praying about what God wanted to do in my life. And so I wasn't 35. Um, and I only had one child at the time, but I was really wrestling with the same thing. And I've always found that part of our stories pretty remarkable that, God was speaking to us about similar things at the same time from completely different places. One person 
in Pennsylvania working on a construction site and one guy in Atlanta teaching in a classroom. Um, but God was speaking to us both about similar things. And I think that's pretty cool. And so we're also both at the time, um, yeah, just wrestling through a lot of things. But I, I believe what happened in your life at that point is you get a call um, from a guy named Matt Letourneau. And he was the city director of the Navigators at that time. And he calls you and invites you to come down to Atlanta at some point, right? And then you come, or what's your what was your initial response when he called you and made that invitation? Well, well somebody connected us, and um, again, the conversation was on the ride home from work on the same exact highway several months later. And he called and said, uh, somebody, I heard about you. Like, I'm, um, you know, I'm looking to start some ministries in Atlanta and more urban, um, under-resourced communities. And, um, you know, got some mission-minded people that are interested, but nobody with, like, a construction or development background, nobody with, like, a community focus, um, like, like your background and your heart for, I've heard about your heart for youth and the discipleship things you've been doing in youth programs where you live. Um, so I just wanted to reach out, out to you and see if you had any interest in hearing about what we're doing in Atlanta. Um, so my initial response was like, why in the world would this guy be calling me? (laughs) Um, he doesn't even know me. We had never met. Um, and and it was it was like it's always honoring when someone thinks of you, but like no, I'm not interested. Never in, in in any of my thoughts in my life that I ever think about moving to Atlanta, um, and especially leaving the things that I, I had in Pennsylvania and with the work, the relationships, the church, uh, the ministries we were involved in, our family, like all those things were pretty um, pretty rooted there, and and. As I pondered, like, what does my life look like? It never, it never looked. I never thought of of moving or going and doing something like he was discussing. So, um, I'm always the kind of person that is like, God can speak through anything and anyone. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, I didn't just dismiss it and write it off. Um, but at the same time, in my heart, I was like, Yeah, I don't, I don't think this is anything that's gonna, you know, come to fruition or anything. I'm gonna think about too deeply, but it did plant a seed. And again, I kind of left it open to the Lord and shared it with my wife. And um, you know, we both kind of talked about an issue. And we're like, yeah, I'm just gonna get back to him and say, no, that's not, it's not, it's not in our plans. Um, which I did do. Uh, I kind of said, not, not necessarily interested in this, but he invited us down to see it and he approached it as well. I'd love to hear about the things you're doing and you can see what we're doing um, or I'm thinking about and you can share with me, um, you know, some of the things that you've learned and and that you're experiencing. I'd love to connect with you. So we were at least willing to say yes to that. Yeah. So no, I'm not moving to Atlanta. I'm not coming to run, you know, urban after school programs and become a fundraiser. Like I've got a life here. I'm settled. You know, you're driving your company truck and you've got your, your company phone and, and different aspects there in your life, you know, rooted again, those, those three small kids. And, um, again, that just, yeah, reminds me a lot of, of my own story and just, yeah, being comfortable and just like having a life that you've kind of built and being like, well, God, what you want would be a little bit disruptive, but I guess I'm open to it, right? I'll hear about it um, and I'll see what's what. And so I think that's a pretty 
uh, Matt Letourneau thing to do also. Um, he, you know, I've, I've seen him do that a few times, invite somebody over to see what we're doing and they get here and I realize he didn't actually tell them what, <laughs> what was going on here, yep. but they're here. And then once they come and he had that, he has that like unique sense of being able to do that. So um, we would say that if he was here with us and we would all laugh about it. But um, so you, but you do agree, um, you agree to come. And there's, there's another moment. So you and your wife, Kelly, are, are driving around in a car with Matt Letourneau, which I think so many people if you, who are listening to this probably have had this moment <laughs> with Matt Letourneau. And yeah, what happens in that car ride as you're driving around through um, this neighborhood, English Avenue, as well as other neighborhoods just in Atlanta? Well, I'll back up even before we're driving around. We get off the airplane in the Atlanta airport and call Matt Letourneau and say, hey, we're here. Um, and he said, okay, I'm here as well out front in the drop-off pickup lane. I'm wearing, I think, I think he said, I'm wearing a blue cap. I think it was an Auburn cap backwards. <laughs> Look for me. I'm driving a black car. We had never even met. I didn't even know what he looked like. Like this was, this was kind of setting the stage for, um, what we had said yes to. And I remember before we even got on the plane or we were sitting on the plane before it took off, I look at Kelly and go, why are we doing this? Let's just say we... Let's just say we did it and not, like, you know. Yeah. Um, so the the experience of us saying yes to the visit, um, uh, you know, it was something that we had no idea what, what was going to be involved in it. So we get there, get in Matt's car. He's driving us around. He started driving us around, like, Georgia Tech and uh, Atlantic Station area, like West Midtown. Um, you know, and he's excited about like the ministries that are happening, things that were happening at Georgia Tech. He's sharing with us his things. And he could just see, he goes, you guys don't seem too excited. Like everybody loves to come through this area and how beautiful it is. And we're like, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> so then he starts driving, um, you know, on the west side of downtown, down MLK. I don't even remember exactly where the areas were. I know we were on MLK driving through some neighborhoods and I, I could see, um, He's like, I can see this is a little bit more home for you. And these, and these, the areas that we were driving through are a little bit more of the areas we had lived in the past 10 years. Um, and it was what God had given us a community for. I mean, I'm sorry, um, had given us a heart for those type of communities. Um, so God just started stirring something in us as we're driving through. Again, we had no idea that we were going to be doing what we're doing now or even saying yes to coming to Atlanta, being a part of the work that God was doing. But as we're driving around again, it's just things are stirring in us. Um, and my wife starts just crying. She's very, very, very emotional. She, she wears her emotions on her sleeves and the tears are just rolling down her face. And Matt is like, what is wrong? <laughs> um, and I'm like, I'm not sure, but you know, we need to give it some time. And after we got done driving around and seeing the different areas, um, I think both of us, it was just so heavy mm. of what God was laying on our hearts um, and drawing us into. And we were kind of experiencing that on an emotional level, even though we didn't know what, where, when, or anything like that. Um, God was doing something through that through that drive. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, those, those moments, um, I think, are those moments where God kind of breaks through and speaks really clearly to us. And one of the things I've always appreciated about you is that you have a unique sense of um, 
sitting with that moment, like where a lot of other people would just sort of breeze past it or um, shake it off. I think those moments really sit with you um, and then you you thoughtfully engage with them. And I think that's what's made um, working with you and getting to know you such a pleasure because I can see God's uh, voice. It confirms God's voice is speaking to you. Like I always trust that you're if you are deciding something or if you're moving in a direction, it's because God has really spoken to you about that because you don't, um, yeah, you're not just moved by the wind, but you are very deeply moved by what God says to you. And I think that's important for people to know about you and people to know about this story um, because I think it's, yeah, those were the early seeds that, you know, we're looking now nine years in the in the yeah. rearview mirror at, but those those kinds of moments are what got us to, you know, some point that we're at today. So eventually you did move. Um, you, you end up down here, similar to Sarah and I, when we had our like, now we're not going to live here moment, but we live here. Um, so you move your family down here. You're still commuting back and forth to Pennsylvania for a little while, um, but you're here. And and I remember, again, in in true Matt Letourneau style, I get a text like, hey, can you come to lunch today and meet, meet this guy, Matt, that I've been telling you about? And now, granted, all I know about you is he has described you as Moses, and he's like, also, you have to trust me that this guy gets it even though he's white. Like, these are the two things I've ever heard about you. He's like, he's like Moses and he's white. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that, but okay. So he texts me, come meet us at this restaurant. Uh, and, and he, and so I come, you're there with Kelly. Um, and we, yeah, we start sharing vision. What was it, um, in those moments, the vision for peace that I was sharing with you, what connected with you? What were you, yeah, what was resonating with you in that first lunch conversation? The only thing I remember from it that we connected on initially, like almost what you were talking about when God was speaking to both of us or drawing us in in 2012 that we had no idea, it was uh, similar verses that drew us to, similar verses and similar vision that, that God was drawing us to. And even though, again, we had no idea what it was going to look like. There was some initial vision things in there. It was there was this. Uh, it was the vision that God had given us through Isaiah sixty one. Uh, yeah, that God was really calling us to invest in in the brokenhearted with our lives, and to see uh, in, in broken broken communities, under resourced communities, like in, um, to to lay our lives down, join God in them, and to see God from within that raise up oaks of righteousness. Um, and the the kids and the youth, um, the vision through the school of peace prep, that God would raise them up to be oaks of righteousness, and they would be become the ones that are planted in the community, and they're the ones that become the restorers and the leaders in the community. And we shared that on an, on, on an initial level, and I'm like, that's that's my heart. Um, that's exactly, even though I, I didn't know what it looked like flushed out, it was like that's the vision God had given me and had so deeply seated in me that that was like, this is what I'm asking you, Matt, to give your life to. And we connected on that same passage, and I was like, um, you know, God God has, is um, uh, like g- given you the same heart, and it gave me confidence in the fact like I can, I, I'm excited about 
what God's drawing us into. Um, yeah. yeah, it's kind of it's kind of what I re- that's that's the main thing I remember from that time. But I also like it was it was I, I was looking forward to meeting you because um you know I, I'll share this part of it before I moved down when I said yes to come when Kelly and I said yes to coming to Atlanta. But before I moved down here, Matt Letourneau said I'm you know I'm saying yes to being chairman of the board of, of Peace Prep. Um, only if you are willing to work with Benjamin, and I know he was saying the same thing to you. Mm-hmm. Like he was, he was basically saying y'all both need to be able to work together. And I was like, "Yep, sounds good." Um, yeah. But again, had no idea, just trusting in God. So it was a, it was a, um, I think an encouragement for me in seeing, that, in seeing that, um, you know, that God, God was, God was the one ordaining it all. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think I woke up this morning with this sense that like. Um, we're the same kind of different. Like we are very similar people in the way that we orient and operate in the world. We're both kind of vision people. Um, I don't think either one of us love details, but we both have the ability to do details. Like we can, we can get things done. You know, we've, we've built some physically built some things together in the school building so we can do that. Um, neither of us are adverse to, to the work of it, but both of us see the big vision, Um, and so in that way, I felt like in that conversation that like, oh, this person speaks, uh, with the same dialect as I do, right? Almost like an accent. Like we have, uh, there's like a Holy Spirit or prophetic accent. That's like, you're sharing something that isn't fully actualized, but you can clearly see it. Um, and neither one of us have, uh, like a lower gear to use that analogy. We don't have like a low speed. I think both of us have like this really big vision speed. And so for some people, you walk into a conversation and you can initially tell like, I have just overwhelmed them. There's no way we're ever going to speak again because they don't, they don't want it. Like I, I was too intense. Um, but I think you were one of the first people I met and I had been at that point. So this is probably 2014. So I had been sharing the vision with people for two solid years. And I had never met anybody to that point who it connected with so quickly, mm-hmm. right? Who like almost instantly, it was like, it was already there. We're, yes, there we're tracking. We're on that. We're literally on the same page of scripture. Um, and I think, yeah, for me, that's also given me the confidence that that's God doing that. Like I didn't, it's not like I pre forwarded you my notes for the conversation or, or we had literally ever spoken didn't have each other's contact information, never seen each other. Um, and yet there was this natural connection. We had lived, you know, again, you grew up in Pennsylvania. I grew up in Texas. I'm black, you're white. Like there's just, there's not, I'm younger than you are. Your kids are older than mine. Like there's so many things that are different about us, but what the Lord was doing in both of our lives was so similar. Um, that for that that was confirmation for me, and I was like, "Oh, this this is going to go well. This is this is a person that is going to be around." Um, whereas in some other relationships, you can just kind of tell, like, "Yeah, you might be around. We'll see." Um, but I could always tell. Um, so then, you're after you stop commuting and you're here, um, you start engaging with some after school programming. That was the initial task um, that you, you had with the navigators in coming down here. And so you're doing some of that in South Atlanta and then eventually doing some of that with Peace Prep. Just a little bit, and we don't have to stay here for a long time, but what were those early programming days like for you? Like once you've made this massive life transition, you're no longer walking on the job site with dirty boots. Now you're in with kids um, doing after school programming. What was that? Yeah, what were those early days like for you? Um, I have some of the greatest memories and probably will have some of the greatest memories in, in life from those couple years of 
leading the after school program. Um, they, I mean, produced some of the greatest memories and relationships, but also were some of the most challenging times for me as well because it's not, it, it, it was, um, it is such my heart. It is such my heart to um, love kids and to uh, see them have safe environments to learn and grow. Um, and it, it produced great times for me to connect with them and their families. Um, it wasn't just the kids that I was connecting with, but it was their families and getting connected and involved in their lives. Um, so I loved it. But I was very, uh, in you know, I, w- I was not... Um, prepared or equipped to do that to do that job and, and probably you know aren't and may never never be with my gifts and skill sets I mean I'm a engineer by education and um, uh, you know have had had experience leading construction sites and and crews and projects um, which is a little bit more of my gifting and skill sets but it was a season in life where that's where where God called me in that role and I tried to be faithful in it um, uh, but that that's my um, so from the education side of it or um, classroom management side of it you know running the after school program definitely had a lot of weaknesses but it, it allowed me to really depend on God in that but again like the relationships that I've built from that I'm still I mean I get weekly phone calls from from moms just still connecting with them from the yeah. time with the kids and their kids in the after school program so I, I cherish those times and those relationships um, yeah yeah, and I think that that it's so important because those are like markers on our journey. Um, but again, being able to be big vision people allows us not to like be st- stuck in one particular season. Like we can keep moving forward and and learn from it, which I think is cool. Um, but jumping back a bit, probably you know before even Atlanta, and you you touched on this a little bit, but a little bit more here, you. Um, have always sort of intentionally lived in neighborhoods where your family was the minority, where as a white family, you were walking along people from different races, different classes, um, or just who grew up differently than you and your in your family. And so I would love to hear you share just a little bit about, yeah, how those experiences connected then with with what you started doing in the after school programming and where you were like um, you while the construction stuff might not have prepared you for it. I think you were very much prepared for it in the sense of knowing how to relate to people. So, yeah, just talk about some of the things that were um, helpful in understanding that context and then walking it out. Yeah, we we lived in a couple uh, two different places. Kelly and I did as as married and with raising children. And the first area was in Washington, D.C. Um, and we moved into a house that needed a lot of renovation. Uh, we're working, I was working, both of us were working in the D.C. area, and we bought a house and lived in a neighborhood. And um, I don't know that we knew this when we bought the house, but we ended, we found out that we were the only white people within a, about four blocks that, that were hmm. in that neighborhood. Um, but for us, we were, uh, we desired to be learners and be a part of the community. We got involved in a, uh, a neighborhood church, um, that was, again, we were the only white couple in the, in the entire church congregation. Um, and, and, and we became learners. And I think one thing we, we realized two couple things, I think through that time, um, living in a pr- predominantly African-American area, one was um, that p- 
people in this area think and have a very different perspective than what we were brought up um, brought up with as far as the the perspective and the thinking um, from a political standpoint from uh, even from like a Christian standpoint um, but I think through that time we really learned like neither perspective is right it's just different mm. like people have different perspectives and what it did for us was it gave us such a bigger picture of who god was yeah um, because we saw different facets and perspectives that really represented god and, and his creation um so it did a lot in us at that point and i think it, it just created a, uh, a journey for us in life where we always wanted to be put ourselves around people who had different backgrounds both economically ethnically um and to you know, to, to learn and have and, and value those different perspectives. Because, again, it allows us to see how much bigger God is. And we value that for our children, too. So we moved back to Pennsylvania, and I was working in construction again in that area. And we lived on one side of town, and uh, we're relating with kids within within the um, city. And they made comments like, well, your life is good because of where you live or mm-hmm. because you have money. Um, you know, they associated it all with where, where we lived. Um, so Kelly and I were like, you know what? Our heart is to um, walk beside and live uh, among all all peoples in the city, and we felt like we had to move to allow them to see that it is 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 because of the like the word the work that the Lord is doing within us that gives us the peace and joy in life, not because of where we live. Yeah. So we actually move, you know, what they call the other side of the tracks. Um, so and it allowed our kids again to grow up with kids that that came from different ethnic backgrounds and. Um, economic backgrounds and we just again we were we were we tried to be learners in those communities and support um and walk beside people and become friends i mean we we just became friends with people we got to know people and shared life with people and that's and 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 that um yeah it's just kind of given us uh i don't know it's it's something that that we're we so deeply value in in life and are, are thankful for those experiences because most people most people grow up and live and are around people who share the same worldview or same perspective for them, and they end up growing up thinking like this is the only only mm-hmm. way or the right way. And I'm just so grateful for for God's grace and allowing us to see that that, that that's not the case. Yeah, God, God is just so much bigger. Yeah, that's good, and I think that comes from your heart and your commitment to walking alongside people. Um, and I think it's it's important for people to know. Um, this about you that like you are a disciple maker through and through like you believe and you live out this sense of real purpose and direction that it's it's walking with people and it's allowing people to see your life up close that produces that fruit in discipleship relationships not just like transmitting information to them or saying like my way is the right way but you really do have this ability to hold that tension that you're talking about of like neither perspective is right. And um, most people in 2021 just don't think that way. Um, But I think that in some ways doesn't allow us to hear God's prophetic voice, right? Um, Because we can receive so much from God from people who are different from us. And I think that's what has um, shaped your prophetic voice. But um, your relationships going deeper than just like what we're doing this after school program I think is started what started to draw that thread though back to construction and back to what you were gifted and passionate about. So talk a little bit about 
what you are seeing when you're, you know, walking a kid home from school or when you're interacting with their family that started to stir in you something around this, maybe this construction housing thing is going to come back into my life. Yeah. Um, I mean, during that time, none, I never thought like, oh, I'm going to get out of being the after school program leader or anything like that. I think we just saw such a, such a great injustice with the housing system um, within our, you know, our, our specific neighborhood. I mean, you and I would look out almost every day at what was surrounding us out the school doors and what the kids had to walk home to. Um, and it's just like, it, I mean, if you're here and you're literally walking the kids home and into the apartments that they're, that they're living in, you have this sense of like, this is not right. Like, this is not okay. And I would ask them questions like, why, why don't you have heat? And, you know, the landlord had the electric shut off in the building, wasn't paying their bills, and they had no heat and weren't doing anything about it. And then we had one uh, family that we literally had to walk on the other side of the street around their complex back inside because there was raw sewage just pouring out over the street. Now, what neighborhood, what community has raw sewage pouring out over the street for over a month yeah. and nothing is done? Um and, and the issue was, I mean, the city came out, but the issue was it was on the landlord's property, private property, but he was just doing nothing to fix it. And it was just, I mean, it, it was disgusting. Like, it was terrible. So these things were like, this is not, this is not okay. And then we had a couple families that would call, like, where are the kids at? And we call, call their parents and they'd be like, well, we moved 20 minutes away. We're staying in like a weekly rental hotel mm-hmm. because code enforcement got put on our apartment and we had to leave. Um, you know, there were just situations time and time again. It wasn't an affordability issue necessarily at that time. Like people couldn't afford to pay rent, but it was that there was not, um, you know, quality housing to live in. There was not even housing that was suitable for, um, from a code standpoint. So we were like, we're not going to have a school here if no one can live around here. Um, so it just was such a deep burden of like, we've got to do something about housing. Um, and so it started stirring us again. Like God started leading, like, okay, to, to fulfill the vision he's given us to see children grow up, to be leaders and restorers in the community. Um, something's got to be done about housing. So, uh, we're like, let's do this. Let's open up a separate nonprofit, which is called Oaks ATL to own real estate. And we're going to make these properties right and, uh, allow our families to live in them. Um, so we walked in faith and did it. And yeah. <laughs> within, I think, I think the same day we received our um, certificate from the state to operate as a business, somebody calls and says, hey, like, I got this property I want to donate to you. Yeah, yeah. I, rem- I remember that time so vividly. Like, so we, um, we will, you know, walk and pray, you know, a couple, two, three times a month, right? We started, we used to do it on Saturdays and then we, the school started. And so we moved it to Thursdays and it's been different times, but I just remember, yeah, we would be walking around and, uh, you'd be talking about the foxhole. Like I'm in this foxhole with after school. I need to get out of this foxhole so I can go get in this foxhole with housing. And I remember just seeing God stir that in you and, and thinking like, gosh, I, God's so big that like he is really retracing um, everything in your life to like this moment. And it was just like blowing my mind. I'm sure it was stirring in you, but it was so evident to me that that's what God was doing, that like that's what was coming next. But like with everything else, um, 
we had no clue how that was going to happen. Like we're in this neighborhood that nobody knows who owns these properties. The, these de- the deeds are missing in the city. The land bank owns something here. Habitat owns something here. There's this patched together thing here. There's this investor here. Um, you know, we've sat in meetings where the investor said like, I'm never selling you that property and then decided to sell it to us or um, somebody outbids us, but we still get it. And we've just, we've just watched all these God things happen once we said yes, right? Like I think that's a common thread in both of our stories is that like, God is just asking us to say yes. Uh, I think it's Isaiah, right, who says, here I am, Lord, send me. Um, and, and I think that's been a thread in both of our lives that has, it's been an encouragement to me to watch you say yes. That gives me confidence to say yes. And I think that's been cool. Um, and so I'm, yeah, the housing thing, I don't think, you know, back in 2012, when God's stirring in you and your truck, that like, there's something more, I don't think that would have been on your radar. Um, and yet, here we are. Yeah, absolutely. I have, I, I had definitely thought it was a retirement from one season of life into another. Yeah. But I couldn't run away from it. So we decide we're going for it with this housing thing. And, and you mentioned you opened the business side of things that same day, someone donates you house number one, um, a few more single family homes are purchased. And then eventually we start praying over these multifamily buildings. I mean, I remember watching um, the drug enforcement people evict all the tenants in one building and board it up one morning, like as we're receiving kids to come to school um, and trying to find those families, like where did they go? Um, and so we're watching all this happen right near our campus. Um, and as we're doing it though, I think God was using even the people in those places to shape even more in us. Like we're seeing it happen. It's feeling really kind of depressing and, and, uh, hopeless in some ways. Um, but I remember we were trying to buy one building where grandma was living and yeah, I just share a little bit about grandma and then talk about like, yeah, how she's helped shape your faith in those moments where we were like, God, is this actually a thing? Cause we've kind of launched out into it, but we don't know what you're going to do with it. Yeah. So uh, real estate in this neighborhood is really hard. Um, there's a lot of investors with inside connections that do some, you know, uh, non-ethical deals to get, to get and purchase properties. Um, and we're kind of new to the neighborhood and don't have those deep layers of relationships and, and how things are kind of purchased and, um, so for me, I had a very uh, doubtful attitude when we put our offer in for the first apartment building, the first multifamily building. Um, I, you know, I definitely sense God's leading into housing, but when it came up, you know, they put uh, the owner put it on the market, and you know, multiple people are throwing offers at it, and I think we put an offer at at the asking price, um, and knowing that, you know, can we even afford that? And um, knowing that, you know, there are other investors that are probably going to outbid us. So Grandma Cassandra, who lived in that building at one time, but had to get kicked out. Well, she left because uh, at some point because there was no heat in there and she moved to an apartment across the street. Um, So she's sitting outside on her stoop and I'm in my truck and I kind of yell out to her. I said, well, we did it. We put the offer into it. I was like, I was like, pray for us tonight. I think they're making the decision today. And she's like, pray. I already done that. 
you got it, Mr. Matt. You got it. And I'm just thinking to myself, man, like, what what lack of faith that I have? Because I submitted and I'm kind of doubting, like, yeah, it's probably not going to work out. And she is as certain as anything that we have got the property. I mean, there was no hesitation in her voice at all. Like, she knew with confidence, with extreme faith. And it just did something to me. I was like, she has seen things in this community um, not go her way time and time, time mm-hmm. and again, and, and probably just extreme disappointment over and over again. And for her, she's like, I can see God in it. Like she can yeah. see, she sees God in it. And she's just like, you got it. And the miraculous story is that we did not put in the highest offer, but for some reason, the real, the realtor, whoever was re- representing, um, the owner and receiving the offers knew enough about our offer and that we were um, associated with a school across the street that she talked to the owner who was an out of country owner yeah. um, that they should sell it to us because it's the right thing to do. And that's what they did. And there was several multiple overs, offers over ours and they said yes and we ended up buying it. So it, it still today just blows me away but reassures um, and encourages me that like that God is in it, and I can believe, um, believe, uh, and, and kind of ride on the people's faith in this community and what yeah. they, and what they see and how they see God leading. Um, it just did something for me that, that day. Yeah, I think that that prayer, uh, which we probably every time we walk and pray, it's like. Lord, we believe, help our unbelief, yeah. right? Like, yeah. it's just, there's there are too many um, things in this world that distract us that look bad on the surface where you're like, God, if you don't do it, it's not happening. Um, and yet, and still, we've watched it happen over and over again. And I think um, the poor, the disenfranchised, the overlooked, the marginalized, whatever term you want to use, the under-resourced, you know, my favorite is the unseen, right? Because they're full people. We just don't see them. Um, But they have something to teach us about God's character um, because they have seen God's hand work in so many ways just for their daily bread. And I think we often take... um, we just take for granted um, how things work in our favor sometimes as those who have a particular amount of privilege or um, influence or power. Um, and so we don't think about how God is actually providing each meal for us or, or each breath for us in some of these cases. And I think those have been um, the relationships we've made with the people right around this building. I think about Emmanuel. I think about Grandma Cassandra. I think about Kenny. I think about just the passerbyers, you know, who shout things to us mm-hmm. that that end up being the seed we need um, to, I love the word you used, assure, right? Assure that this is what God's going to do. Um, that assurance comes um, in the face of those who most people wouldn't be looking for it in. And I think that's so key um, to the kind of community we're trying to cultivate here, because that's God's heart. We're just trying to cultivate it. We're just trying to work in the in the garden he's given us to work in. Um, and we could, yeah, we could probably share these stories for days, um, but we'll we'll end with this. Um, I would love for you to share with people um, just what is God saying to you in this season? Like after all we've seen, um, your nine years from your midlife crisis, uh, what's God saying to you right now? Um, yeah, what's God saying to you now? God has the same reoccurring 
deep-seated message in my life over and over again, and it's something that is there at the forefront of my mind and my thoughts and my hearts now, even on this day. It's almost daily that the verses of Isaiah 61 um, come up in, in my life and think through and process it, and it's another season where it's like, what does it look like to live out this vision that God has seeded in us and given us um, to to really give ourselves to, to the brokenhearted. And the brokenhearted in, um, in Isaiah, in the Hebrew, really means those that are, um, those that are powerless to do anything about their, circum- mm. their, their current circumstances, right? Yep. All those, those words that he used to describe in the front part of those verses, it is, is, is all kind of means the same thing. And I identify with that. I am brokenhearted. I am powerless to do anything about my cur- yeah. current situation. So I identify with that, and God's given me a heart to walk beside those that identify that and to see them grow into oaks of righteousness and to see them be the ones that restore and rebuild and renew um, the cities that have been devastated for generations, that become their stores in in the neighborhood, the leaders in the neighborhood. So that is my heart. And even though now we've kind of grown and um, through the housing side of things, like our construction crew has grown, people, there's 31 different residents and families living right next to our school now um and my heart is to see them uh the families in our school the employees of our peace prep in oaks atl the residents in our apartments to see them grow into the full potential and purposes that god has created in them that is that is my heart so in this season of life it's like even though we work really hard at uh running a school and running a community development organization, which takes a lot of time and capacity. My heart in it all is to see the people connected to it be all that they can be before um, in who God created them and purposed them to be. So for me, it's like, how do I, how do I be faithful in walking that out, Lord? Um, so that's, that's how God's speaking in the season. Yeah, that's so good. Well, thanks for sharing these parts of your story. Um, I'm sure in the future there will be another episode where we share some more stories. But what I wanted everyone to hear uh, from this conversation and the encouragement is to just look and listen for the prophetic voices in your life. And you will know them by people who are extremely faithful, um, who think deeply about what God is saying to them, and then who move, who act on the things that God is asking them to do. And I've seen that in Matt, and he's encouraged me, and he's shaped so much of what I believe is possible with God. And so I pray that you will find those voices in your life as well. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the broken heart, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the years of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to come for all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Since its beginning in 2017, Oaks ATL has renovated two single-family homes in English Avenue and three multifamily properties, totaling 31 units of safe, quality, dignified, affordable housing in partnership with Peace Preparatory Academy. For more information on their work, you can check out their website at oaksatl.com. That's O-A-K-S-A-T-L.com. For more information on Peace Prep, you can find us at peaceprep.com, on Instagram at Peace Prep Academy, on Facebook at Peace Preparatory Academy, and on Twitter at Peace Prep. To get new episodes of this podcast each month, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.
Thank mm-hmm. you.